0: It was after ten o'clock, and there were only three men at the bar and one man at a table in the rear when the hustler came in. A blast of the cold night air came in with her. She climbed up on a stool and let her thin winter coat fall from her shoulders. Gimme a beer, she said. Silently, the bartender drew a glass of beer and placed it in front of her. He picked up the quarter and rang it up. Any action tonight, Jimmy? she asked her eyes searching the men at the bar for a response to her question. The bartender shook his head. Not tonight, Maria. It's Sunday night, and all the turistas are home in their beds. He walked away and began to polish some glasses under the bar. He watched her sip at her beer. Maria. He called them all Maria. The little Puerto Rican girls with their bright, shiny black eyes and their hard little breasts and buttocks. He wondered when she had had her last shot. The hustler gave up on the men at the bar. She turned to look at the man seated at the table. She could only see his back, but she could tell from the cut of his clothing that he wasn't local. She looked questioningly at the bartender. He shrugged his shoulders, and she slid off her stool and started back to the table. The man was looking down at his whiskey glass when she stopped beside him. Lonesome, signor she asked. She knew the moment he lifted his head to look at her what his answer would be. The dark, ice-blue eyes and tanned face and hungry mouth. Men such as he never bought their pleasures. They took them. No, thank you, Cesare said politely. The hustler smiled vaguely, nodded her head, and went back to the bar. She climbed up on the stool again and took out a cigarette. The stocky little bartender held a match for her. Like I said, he whispered, smiling. It's Sunday night. The girl dragged deep on the cigarette and let the smoke out slowly. I know, she said tonelessly, the first faint sign of worry appearing on her face. But I gotta keep working. It's an expensive habit. The telephone in the booth beside the bar began to ring, and the bartender left her to answer it. He came out of the booth and walked over to Cesare's table. Para usted, señor. Mil gracias, Cesare answered, going to the telephone. Hello, he said, as he closed the door of the booth. The woman's voice was almost a whisper. She spoke in Italian. It will have to be in the morning, she said, before he appears in court. Cesare answered in the same language. There is no other place? No, she said her voice very clear in the receiver despite its softness. We have not been able to learn where he is coming from. We only know that he will appear at court at eleven o'clock. And the others, Cesare asked, are they still in the same place? Yes, she answered, in Las Vegas and Miami. Are your plans made? I have everything in readiness, Cesare replied. The woman's voice grew harsh. The man must die before he sits in the witness chair. The others, too. Cesare laughed shortly. Tell Don Emilio not to worry. They are all as good as dead right now. He put down the telephone and walked out into the dark Spanish Harlem night. He turned his collar up against the cold winter wind and began to walk. Two blocks away on Park Avenue, he caught a lone cruising taxi. He climbed into it. El Morocco he said to the driver. He sank back into his seat and lit a cigarette, an excitement beginning inside him. It was real now, for the first time since the war. It was real again. He remembered how it was the first time, the first girl and the first death. Strange how they always seemed to come together. The reality of living was never greater than when you held death clutched tightly in your hands. It seemed a long time ago. He was 15 years old and the year was 1935. There had been a parade in the little Sicilian village at the foot of the mountain that day. The fascisti were always having parades. There were banners and pictures of Il Duce everywhere. His scowling face and angry clenched fist and pig-like bulging eyes. Live dangerously. Be Italian. Italy means strength. Strength.